Welcome to another episode of the Deborah Health Report, where we dive into current health and medical topics to keep the Delaware Valley informed and updated. The conversation continues this month with endocrinologist Dr. Navinder Jassel about diabetes, exploring the latest and understanding its mechanisms, how to diagnose, treat, and even prevent it, and how to live well with it. Here's Rasa Kay. Hi, I'm Rasa Kay, and we're doing a deep dive into diabetes on the podcast. The disease incidence is soaring across age groups with significant implications for just about every system in your body. We continue our discussion with endocrinologist Dr. Navinder Jassel, picking up with diet details. Sugar-free, is that going to save you? I appreciate the efforts of marketing and the sugar-free term. What I would implore everyone to do is learn to read a label. And when you look at a label, I want you to look at the total carbs. It's always bolded and under it, it'll have a couple sections of fiber, sugar, added sugars. I want you to ignore what it says under it and I want you to just focus on total carbs. And you wanna look at the serving. So say Ritz crackers, five crackers is 15 grams of carbs. That's what you wanna know, that 15 grams of carbs. Because there's really no such thing as a sugar-free cookie if you look at the label, because it still has carbs and it's gonna be broken down in the body and processed similarly how carbs are. And you're gonna have reaction with your pancreas the same way you would with sugar. So I still think it's important to try to eat foods that have lower sugar content, but knowing how to read a label will give you a lot of freedom into determining what you can and cannot eat and how many carbs you should be eating. Processed foods overall, all those chemical additives for shelf life and all the other ways we manipulate it for flavoring and whatever else we do, the impact on diabetes? We notice that processed foods, for the reasons you've stated, tend to increase patients' blood sugars and they do it quickly. So you'll see a basic spike of the sugar and then a drop. And not only will that not make you feel well, but your body can only handle a certain amount of that sugar, so maybe like 50%. The rest of the sugar ends up getting stored as fat. So you wanna eat foods that are more complex carbs. Processed foods, you wanna think of anything that's in a bag or a box that you have to reach in to eat. Foods that are not processed are vegetables, fruits, and grains. Try to stick to those. Within that category, are there sneaky things that have more carbohydrates than, than others? For example, like peas and corn, those are starchier vegetables, right? So those would be something that we might wanna avoid. Yes. I would say count your carbs, even if it's zero, just know how many you're eating because it'll force you to look it up. I was looking up the other day, avocado, I didn't think had much carb in it, but you know, it does if you're making avocado toast, right? The other foods that are sneaky when it comes to carbohydrates are gluten-free foods. When I looked at a label of gluten-free cupcakes the other day, because I like cupcakes too, like everyone else, and regular cupcakes, the gluten-free had more carbs. So I would say, look at your labels and see what you're eating. Sometimes you're surprised. So treating diabetes, there's an array of dietary issues that that you'd want to address. And then all of these different pharmaceutical measures. How are we treating diabetes today? I think the most important thing is to talk to your patient and figure out goals together of what you want to do. Some patients say that I'm really overwhelmed in life. I'm not going to be able to do all the lifestyle stuff give me meds. And other patients are like, no, I'm really committed. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to be exercising, eating healthy. 
then I may not start meds right away. So I think it's important to talk to your patient, look at them as a whole and determine the best treatment. We always focus on lifestyle first. And then we have some first line medications as well, pills that we can use. There's also shots we can use that are not insulin, which are great. And then we have insulin injections. So depending on the severity of the disease, we may jump to insulin right away. If it's mild diabetes, we may start off with a pill or even offer just working on lifestyle. So in terms of men versus women, we often just look at the patient as a patient. So it may not matter if they're male or female, but sometimes women have different struggles than men. A lot of times post-pregnancy or postmenopausal or perimenopausal, their disease state is a little different. And men, as they age, their diabetes may be different as well. So it just goes back to tailoring our treatment to the patient. But once it's in your life or in your system, this is forever, whether it's management treatment or, or however you want to phrase it, this is not something that, that you're going to forget about. Even if you do all the right things and win yourself off meds or whatever, that's, that's forever, whatever those right things are, the exercise, the diet, everything else. That's true, it is forever, but we're very lucky that medicine has come a long way and we have a lot of options. And the meds that we use these days, they have other benefits. They can help lower your blood pressure, they can protect your kidneys, they can protect your heart, and they can also help with weight loss. So that can be frustrating to know that you have it forever, but we're, we're in a time right now that we have a lot of options. So don't be afraid to get diagnosed if you think there's something going on. So how do we diagnose diabetes? We diagnose diabetes based on a blood test. The blood test is called hemoglobin A1C, also known as A1C. We hear about that on all the commercials. Yeah, and it's basically how saturated is your blood with sugar, kind of like what we talked about. If your A1C is between 5.7 and 6.4%, you're considered pre-diabetic. Anything above that, you're considered as diabetic. Recently, the US Preventative Task Force has asked us to start screening patients at a younger age. Before it was 40, and if you had excess weight, now it's 35. So if you're 35 and your BMI is elevated above 25, you can plug in a calculation online, then you should get screened. You said that some people have no symptoms. So we've got the age slash BMI metric that you just discussed, but what are the other reasons that someone who doesn't have blurry vision or excess thirst or excess urination or all the other things that Dr. Google might tell you about, why would you go get screened? What would send you to your physical and remind your doctor? Genetics, family history is a big reason why we screen patients with diabetes because we know that there's a strong link. It is more prevalent if your parents or a sibling have diabetes. And oftentimes, since diabetes is growing, your primary will likely screen for it. If they don't use an A1C, they may get what we call a metabolic panel, which checks just like a regular blood sugar. And if they notice that that's a little high, then they may send you for further testing with that A1C test. What is the holiday season landmine field like for a diabetic and how to get through it successfully? It's really tough. Diabetes is not an easy disease to begin with. You can never just ignore that you're diabetic. So you're constantly living it. 
And I think what's important is that we give a little freedom to our patients. So going into the holidays, I tell everyone, prepare yourself. You want to eat well leading up to the week of whatever holiday that you're going to be celebrating and decide ahead of time what you will and will not eat and try to keep it in moderation. But of course, enjoy. In certain patients, I'll tell them you may want to take an extra pill of this just in case to prevent any high sugars. I don't recommend that on a regular basis, but at the same time, I think it's important for us to enjoy our lives and food is a big part of that. How about drink? Alcohol, you have to be careful with alcohol when you're diabetic because it can do a couple different things depending on what you're drinking. Sometimes alcohol can lower your blood sugar. So low sugars are also dangerous for your body because they can affect brain function. So blood sugars that are low, we consider pretty much 70, 60 or lower. It can also make you feel unwell. So that's one thing that can happen with alcohol. Another thing that can happen with alcohol is it can raise your sugars depending on the type of drink again. And then sometimes when we're drinking one or two, you may start putting your you know, hands in a bag of chips and you might be snacking. So I tell my patients try to pick drinks that are lower in carb and not mixing with regular soda, but maybe a diet soda. So yeah, have a drink or two, nothing in excess. So at what point should someone need to see an endocrinologist if they're diabetic? I believe if you're diabetic and after about six months of trying to figure out what to do, you're not getting to goal, I think it's important to have a discussion with the endocrinologist to see, is there something missing? Is there anything else I should be doing? Or are there any other options in terms of medical treatment? What we talked about before, we individualize care and sometimes we don't realize other meds we're taking could be affecting our diabetes and those might need to be changed. So going to a specialist is helpful. Diabetics, when they have other chronic conditions, it can be difficult to control their disease. So for example, I have patients with COPD or asthma and they often have to go on steroid treatment and we know that will raise their sugar, but they're not always on steroids. So sometimes we have to go up and down on their medications. I have other patients that are undergoing chemotherapy for cancer and they may go weekly for treatments and get one dose of steroid before, one on the day of. So there's a lot of titration of medications that needs to be done. It's also difficult when diabetics have kidney disease because we know our diabetics are prone to kidney disease. And when that develops, it makes it very complicated to treat. When you have kidney disease, your body doesn't respond well to low sugars. So your kidneys, when you have a low sugar, will push out sugar to fix it. But if your kidneys aren't working well, they can't do that. The other problem with kidney disease is some of our medications can build up in your bloodstream and cause a low sugar. And then if you have kidney disease and you can't respond to the low sugar, it can be a vicious cycle. So we don't want just um, an A1C that looks good because it's an average of our blood sugars, but we want to make sure that you're not having these peaks and um, drops. We want a nice smooth line and having these chronic conditions can make that difficult. I have a lot of patients that have well-controlled diabetes and that can look different from different points of view. So I have some patients that were on insulin injections four times a day and now they're just on pills. 
and they're at goal with their A1C. And goal is also defined individualized. So a 90-year-old female that I saw last week, I'm not pushing for perfect sugars. I'm pushing for you know, no low sugars and not anything so high. But in a 40-year-old, I may push for you know, strict control. Living as a healthy diabetic means that your sugars are well controlled and that you don't have the side effects from being uncontrolled. So you don't have the heart disease, the kidney disease, and you're following routinely with your doctor. And we have a lot of patients, what I like to say, they're an autopilot. You know, in the beginning, sometimes we have a little trouble getting them where they need to be and we're trying out new meds or um, they have side effects from meds, so we may have to stop. So in the beginning of the diagnosis, there's a lot of work going on. But once we get them on a, on a perfect system, they're kind of an autopilot. And then there can be hiccups along the way, but generally they're controlled, their sugars are at goal, and um, they're living a long and healthy life. I saw a type one who's been type one for 60 years, and he's still here today. So it is amazing that if you do control your sugars, you can live like everyone else. Your life is not like everyone else, but you can live a long, healthy life. What's the testing like? You talk about testing through the day. What is that experience now? So a lot of times, traditionally, people use a blood glucose monitor and they will prick their finger, they'll check their sugar, and based on that, they can determine if they need to take insulin or not. And some people like to check even if they're on pills to make sure that their sugars are okay. Generally, I tell my patients, you should really be under 180, if not under 140. That also depends on the time of the day. In the morning when you're waking up, I want your numbers to be lower towards 100. But if it's two hours after a meal, I'd ask you to try to keep your numbers under definitely 180 for sure, if possible, 140. Now we have new technology, which is amazing because it's gotten rid of finger sticks or not as many finger sticks needed, where you can wear a patch on your arm or your stomach and it will check your sugar for you. This is called a continuous glucose monitor. It checks your sugar for you pretty much every five minutes. And when you go to your doctor's office, they can download the information. And I can see a graph of your sugars throughout the day and throughout the night. So I have a patient that came in and said, my sugar's high every morning. And we put a monitor on him and he comes in and I download it. And I said, wow, this is amazing. He was actually going into 40s at overnight and waking up high because his body was reacting to the low sugar. So it just gives you so much information so you can make better choices. The monitor is also helpful because if you decide, okay, I'm gonna have a piece of cake and then two hours later you see your sugar high, you're like, okay, I learned from that. I'm not gonna have that cake or maybe I'll have less or I'm gonna go for a walk now. So you can make better decisions for yourself. Being diabetic is tough. We know that there's a risk of heart disease, stroke, kidney disease, but we've also seen that reducing blood sugars following up with your doctors, taking your meds can reduce the risk. And that's amazing because you as a patient have the power to change the course of your disease and you can live a long, healthy life. Can't get more reassuring than that. That was Deborah endocrinologist, Dr. Navinder Jassel. Our next podcast drops on the first Wednesday of the month. Be well and check us out then. I'm Rasa Kay. You can always listen to all of the informative Deborah Doctor interviews at DeborahHealthReport.com. Schedule an appointment at DemandDeborah.org.